I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. From... Postcard from the Past and the award-winning Wardle Studios. This is Podcast from the Past, the Postcard Podcast. This is a place where we investigate old picture postcards, their messages and their images as they take us from banality to heartbreak, from Ibiza to the Norfolk Broads. And we attempt to understand what it is that causes us to keep hold of these little cardboard rectangles. Each time, I welcome two guests, and it's their postcards that act as small clues to direct us towards memories, mysteries and stories. I'm Tom Jackson, and I'm delighted to say that today my guests are biographer James Hogg and novelist Richard Smith. Richard and James, welcome to Podcasts from the Past. Hello. Thank you. Hi. Now, if you are interested in the history and characters of show business, you may well have read a book by James Hogg. Um, he is in part, or wholly, responsible for biographies of James Robertson Justice, Ernie Wise, Kenny Everett, Richard Bryars, Bernard Cribbins. This is, this is a pantheon of popular entertainment. Mm. Well, but, but, sorry, Bernard was a, that was a, a, it was a collaboration um, between Bernard and myself, so I, I helped him write his, uh, his autobiography. Ah, even, um, better, even so, better. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So that was a lot of fun. I'm sure it was a pleasure to work with. Yeah, it was. Well, we had to say it to some extent. but Of course, we actually had a Jack, a Jack and Ori chair, believe it or not, in his living room. And the first oh. day we started doing the interviews, we sat there, I turned my dictaphone on, and he, he actually said, my name's Bernard Cribbins, and I suppose you'd like me to tell you a story or something along those <laughs> lines. And every single hair on my body sort of, you know, um, you know, leapt to its its feet and it was sort of, that uh, was amazing. So, uh, yeah, yeah we, had a, we, had, we had some fun with that. Yeah, I suppose working with a storyteller or someone who likes telling stories is a good start. It is. I, I actually did two books with Brian Blessed before that in exactly the same sort of capacity, um, which was slightly more profane um, <laughs> than, uh, than working with Bernard, louder, Yes. Um, and uh, a little bit more raucous, but it's it's how I like to do it. I, I do ghost sometimes, but I much prefer collaborating. Uh, yes. You know, with people who 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 can who can uh, just helping them to to get the words out and put them in the right order. Very good, very good. That is uh, that's important work. Yeah, very much. Oh, national importance definitely. <laughs> importance for us us readers anyway. Yeah, now, James joins us today bearing a Y O eleven postmark. What is that? It's Scarborough, Scarbados. Um, oh. I absolutely love it there. It's uh, it's it's the place that I could quite happily. The only other place apart from uh, Monte Carlo, obviously, where I could happily reside. Um, we uh, we we bought a, a static there when when our children were very small and had ten years um, closer there, and, and and it was just it was heavenly. It really, really was. So it's a very special place, Scarbados. And you didn't feel it was. Uh too much of an obligation if you got that place you had to go there or um kind of we wanted to though um yeah. and so it's friday afternoon you know chuck the kids and everything in the car and go up there for the weekend and then a few weeks during the summer and then a few years ago uh, the kids sort of said we, i don't want to go to scarborough anymore so we're like oh right okay fair <laughs> we've enough we've done that so we've done that so we got rid of it and bought a place in france instead and they've already got rid of that oh sorry got bored of that so it's like right okay go off and do your own thing we don't care anymore very good. Well, yeah, when you get rid of the place in France and get the place in uh, the Caribbean, let me know. I will. Absolutely. I'm working on it. Now, when, when you're in um, 
France or, or Scarborough or anywhere else, do, do you still send postcards, James? Um, very occasionally. I collect them uh, more than send them. So I have a collection probably only of about 200. Uh, but I love um, uh, Phil May primarily, who's one of the postcards uh, um, oh, we'll, yes, we'll I, come I've to chosen. That. We'll come to that. But, yeah, I, I collect postcards. Interesting. OK, well, that's going to be very interesting. Uh, good. Now, uh, Richard Smith is a journalist with a particular interest in natural history. He's also a crossword compiler, um, but I think he's become best known in the last few years as the author of The Woodcock, an extremely well-received novel that takes the reader into a seething rock pool of crabs and sea slugs and ragworms and faith and fairgrounds um, in a windswept northeastern coastal town between the wars. Um, Richard comes to us today with a WF postmark. Where's that? It's Wakefield. Um, ah. Where I was born, uh, where I grew up, um, and yes, yeah, the place that's left uh, left a mark on me, not least in my accent, which may not be apparent to anyone who's not northern, but the Wakefield accent is quite distinctive, um, largely because it's only got one vowel. Um, <laughs> it's a bit mean? like it's a bit like a whole accent, but it's lazier if you can imagine such a thing. So, um, I wasn't sure whether to say WF one, which is the city, or WF four, which is the the fairly relatively leafy suburb in which I grew up. But um, one way or the other, it's, a, it's WF. Uh, WF is, is where I'm from. And you still have connections there? Yeah, my mum and dad still live in the house I grew up in. Um, and obviously we've got small kids, so we're always over there uh, angling for babysitting whenever possible. Um, and it's the kind of city that hasn't changed that much in... Well, I'm 44 now. It hasn't really changed that much over 40 years. Um, and, yeah, we only live we only live an hour away, so... Um, Oh, yeah, I'll never quite leave it behind. No, whether, you, whether you want to or not. Exactly, yeah, that's that's hometowns for you. Exactly. And Richard, when did you last send a postcard? It's a good question. Um, I do tend to send one to my mum, um, but that's that's about it. And they send uh, postcards to us. It was, when I was invited to do this, um, I initially thought, well, I don't, I don't think I have much... Don't really send that many postcards. I don't get that many postcards. But then I start postcards, sorry. And then I started to um to think about it, and and it turns out they're everywhere. Right. So I don't send them that much as I start, I'll send one or two if I go away on holiday, maybe. But then I collect them from you know you pick them up from art galleries, yeah. you pick them up in bookshops, you pick them up from exhibitions, all kinds of different things. So it turns out I have got quite a few dozen lying about the place. Yeah, I think I think they they are more ubiquitous than than people realise, partly because I think a lot of the acquisition of them is almost unconscious. Absolutely, that's right. They're just that, that um, there's sort of in that sweet spot between small enough to, to pick up without barely registering it, but, but large enough and significant enough to, to be kept, to be treasured. Yeah, well, I always say the thing is, paper is, is, is pretty resilient, paper or card. That's very true, yeah. So unless you actually set fire to them or put them in a bucket of water... <laughs> They're gonna stay there. They're not. You know, That's not a good going point, anywhere. actually. Yeah, um, and it's the same and they can vanish. They can they get folded into books. They get at the bottom of wardrobes or cupboards. They can vanish for years. Yeah, and reappear in postcards. That's one of the magic of them. Yeah, I, I find, and I've got far far too many cards everywhere. <laughs> but I, I find I can lose them very very easily and yeah. drive myself crazy trying to find them again. <laughs> you know, just by looking in the wrong place. But anyway, all um, right. Before we hear about the cards that both Richard and James have prepared for today. A quick one of mine. And this is a, a postcard from the past postcard, like I do on Twitter uh, in my book. Uh, it's an old card, and I'll just select a bit of the message. So this is a card of Inverary um, uh, in Scotland. And um, I've got it in front of me. Uh, Richard and James, have it, uh, they've, they've got a document, so they can see it as well. And it's a, a street scene looking out onto the bay with a ridiculously sort of fluffy clouds. Very uh, un un unconvincing, really. But um, the message is... Well, it was sent in 1971 to uh, Cheadle Hume in Cheshire from someone called Trisha. Uh, sent to Rachel, actually, Rachel Fisher. And she says, uh, Dear Rachel... We're having a lovely holiday, but we're not staying in Inverary. I went and bought the wrong card. We're staying in Oban, actually, and this looks rather like it, so I went and bought it. Sorry. So it's a, 
a message that <laughs> a message about being the wrong message. I don't know. So something something Brilliant. self-destructive about the the, the, the the way that functions. Um, I'll do another quick one. This is um, and this this would probably appeal to both of you actually. Bridlington. Um, and it's a, it's a Dennis postcard. Dennis, one of the biggest uh, and oldest postcard publishers. 1989, 24th of October, since you ask. And it was sent to Ian Walker, Walner, who was staff at the Windermere Hotel, Windermere. And I know his staff because it's got, it says staff in brackets. I wonder if start, staff cards maybe went to a different post box from cards going to residents. I don't know. Um... And it's a nice picture of Bridlington uh, all, all, on the, all on the promenade. Um, a lot of sand at Bridlington. It reminds me of you know, how much sand there is there. It's really, it's a nice beach, actually. Anyway, um, the, the, this struck me as, as a sort of melancholy uh, message, really. Uh, it says, we've had a lovely holiday here in Brid, uh, but alas, every good thing comes to an end. We're on our way home today. And here's the bit that, that, that pierced my heart. It says... Hope to see you soon. I seem to be always saying it. And I thought, <laughs> yeah, we do all say that a lot. Yeah, yeah that's very true, actually. And, and you find you, you know, you say it, and the last thing you said to that person was the same thing, and you still haven't seen them. So it's like Christmas cards, you know, we must get together next year. And yeah, yeah. There's something melancholy about that. I mean, it's nice. It's nicer to be in touch than not to be in touch, but um, anyway. Uh, I should let you know at home... You'll be able to see images of uh, the sands at Bridlington and, 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 and um, uh, Inverary looking like Oban and all the other pictures. They're all going to be on the uh, show notes, which is postcardfromthepast.co.uk, uh, so you can see that we're not making it up. This is all real stuff. Uh, now, um, Richard and James out in cyberspace, you've been kind enough to dig out some cards for this recording. Um, let, let's start with you, James. I think I understand you're already breaking various rules with this by doing multiple cards, but let's... Um, yes. I, I, mind you, I don't know where you're going to start, but let's start with the first card that, that you've got for us. Is it is it the black and white one? It's the the black and white... Um, the, uh, the the two together. Ah, the two together, oh, right, OK. I can, start with, I can start with Romano's, if you like. That's, Wh- whatever that's... works for you. You have a sense of narrative, so you, you tell me. <clears throat> um, I'll start with, with Romano's. Okay. Um, Romano's was... Uh, it's not much of a story behind it in the sense that when I was 17, I moved to London, ran away literally, and managed to get a job in, in theatre, just sort of selling ice creams and then box office at the uh, at Wyndham's Theatre on Charing Cross Road. And I became fascinated with the sort of the West End of the of the 20s and 30s, you know, the Aldwych farces and uh, the Strand, basically. And I, I became a day member of a, of a club called, a private members club called The Green Room. Just off the Strand, which is where all the all the old actors like Ballard, Berkeley, and all that used to go and sort of you know drink port and and fall asleep in the afternoon. And they used to let sort of people like me join during the day. You know, young people who worked in theatre, etc. And I used mm-hmm. to go there. And there was this restaurant called Romano's, which was open until about 1915, 1920. And it's where everybody went. And the address was number four hundred, the Strand. Wow. Um, and it's it's in. Oh, however many or hundreds of autobiographies. I think one, uh, an actor called Henry Kendall, who died in the 60s, even called his um, autobiography, I Remember Romanos. <laughs> and it's all the gaiety, it's all the gaiety theatre. It, it, it sort of evokes um, a, a, a period um, in the West End that, that I, I genuinely do find absolutely fascinating. Well, um, before you go any further, I think we've got to describe yeah. this because this is a hell of a picture. It's beautiful. Tell, it's, tell me, it's tell a, me, tell, tell tell the listener because it's, this is not doesn't look like an ordinary restaurant. No, it was uh, well the the outside the frontage. It's it's like a shop. It's like a small shop, and so it's um, it's sort of t- t- Tardis esque. Really, you right. come in, and uh, I don't know how you describe the uh, uh, the decoration. But it's it's like the inside of a palace. It's, it's like, kind it's like of the Alhambra a, or something, isn't it? It's yeah, the Alhambra. It's 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 astonishing, and, um, and it's, it's a ballroom um, size. This is the size. It's ballroom size. But every anybody who was anybody went there wow. um, for I think about forty fifty years. Um, it was it was open, um, and the the tales um, the stories are, are legion, and um, and it's one of those places that um, many places that are no longer with us. That I I oh if I you know had that. Uh, 
that time machine, that would be the first button I would uh, I, I would press. Saturday um, night, Friday night? Oh, any night, any night, honestly, any any night. Lunch, apparently lunch there was very, very good. Oh, and I and even long, bought, I well, I even bought the other day, This there is a link between the one of the other uh, postcards, the chap who um, drew that, Phil May, was was the regular yes. in, in this place. And um, uh, and he used to um, do sketches of, of his friends uh, leaving. Right. Um, so uh, as they were sort of like, you know, hobbling away in an advanced state of refreshment, <laughs> he would he would sketch them and then send them the uh, uh, the sketch afterwards. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it's just a, an astonishing place. And I used to just stand outside number 400, the Strand, just gazing, um, just sort of, you know, trying to bring it to life. And, and when uh, you were doing yeah. that, what was that 400, the Strand? So I believe 399 is Stanley Gibbons. That's right, three nine nine to four hundred. But the ad- the official address was four hundred. So the, it's, the, is, the it, is it where Stanley Gibbons is? Um, I, you know, I'm not sure. I think so. It's, it's the same. It must be the same building. I don't think it's there anymore. I think the building is now gone. Yeah, because Stanley uh, Gibbons yeah, isn't that been, big. <laughs> no, no, exactly, exactly. So it must it have been one it of must those been. little alcoves. But but exactly. So look at it. The inside of the place is just it's it's stupendous. And obviously you've got the band at the back. So you'd have, you'd have had, I don't know, whoever. It could have been Jack Hilton or somewhere like that. I mean, the West End was probably teeming with these places back in the day. But the only one that I've really got to know, um, obviously through through reputation um, more than anything, obviously, is uh, is Romano's. Um, so, yeah. And, and who was first. Romano? Romano was uh, obviously an Italian uh, uh, gentleman. And let me just see. I was looking at the, uh, on the, uh, the fantastic Arthur Lloyd uh, website. Um, about this earlier, which brings to life all that sort of stuff. Um, and uh, here we go. Um, yeah, sorry, there was even a book written about it. It was um, uh, Ghosts uh, and Grease Paint uh, by a guy called W. McQueen Pope in 1951, oh, Romano's yeah, Restaurant. Oh, yeah, read a lot about the Edwardian yeah. Yeah, that's I've got I've, I've got all of his books, you know. I've got, oh God, he's a bit a big fan. But uh, an Italian an Italian gentleman who arrived, I think, um, in let me see. Um, about 1914 was when it was at its height. Wow. Well, yeah. he certainly made a go of it. Yeah, he did. He did. And have yeah. you got any menus from there in your in your interest? No, but I've got it as, as a saved thing on eBay. So whenever something comes up about <laughs> Romano's anywhere on the sale room, um, you know, there are, there are various things. If anything comes up anywhere in an auction house on eBay, I know about it immediately. And then I start selling things to pay for whatever it is, <laughs> you know, kids. Chil- children, you know, yeah, exactly, wives, you know, whatever, it doesn't matter. So you so, go there yeah. late at night doing your dreams? Yeah, I genuinely do. I have dreamt about that place. And, and because I've read so many accounts about what it was like, I, I have been able to build up a picture yes. um, in my mind, if you know what I mean. So, uh, you know, all the people, all the old witch farceurs like Ralph, you know, Ralph Lynn and Robertson Hare and all those sorts of Mary Bruff going there and, you know, the and contemporaries of theirs, I suppose. But, you know, and then going back to the Phil Mays of this world and, uh, um, you know, all the people. I'm, I'm actually a member of a, a club in London called The Savile. Um, oh, and there's a lot of connections between that place and uh, and Romano's, and a lot of a lot of people I know have met at the Savile know people who went to Romano. So it's yeah. it's building up all these sort of links, um, which is incredible. You you've got the right job, haven't you? Because you really like you really like finding this stuff out. Yeah, I'm very nosy. Very, you have to be very nosy in in our line of work. Um, uh, you really do. But um, it's. Uh, yeah, it's it's fantastic. So it's when I when I was um, I was doing the James Robertson Justice book, you know, I spent I spent sort of four four weeks on a grouse moor in Scotland. He he was a, he was a big he was a big hunter, and and I was up there, and he and managed to find the cairn where his his um, his uh, his um, uh, remains were buried, and all these sorts of things. So, but it's finding out this sort of stuff. If, I'm fascinated. If you if you being fascinated by something to, to this sort of degree is, is is a great gift. It really do, it really is because it, it 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 consumes you, um, but in the most fantastic way. Um, and when you find out little bits like, and when you're able to talk about it without, you know, you give us ten minutes until we bore you, bore you stupid. Therapy, but, it, yeah. but exactly, but it's it's tremendous. It, it, it's um, you know, o- Ovaltine uh, was it Kenny Everett used to call. Uh, was it Ovaltine for the ears? I suppose it's Ov- <laughs> Ovaltine for the for the mind. This is yeah. it really is. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's always fascinating to find out about things that were hugely popular or hugely influential yeah. that are yeah. almost forgotten. 
Yes, indeed. And we're clinging, we're sort of, you know, flying the flag and clinging on to the memory, um, you know, for dear life, I suppose. Just just one last question about this postcard. Do you think it's a promotional card is it, or is it just a souvenir? I did. I think it was probably a souvenir because back in the day they, they were so popular, these places, and they were, you know, there, there was no uh, you had newspapers. Um, you didn't have radio. You had no you had newspapers and, and word of mouth. So to have some, wow, Romano's, yeah, blah, blah goes there, blah, blah goes there. So you, you get a, a souvenir and it would have meant a lot to, to, to a lot of people. Whereas obviously now it it only really means something to a to a bit of a weirdo like me, but um, but yeah, back in yeah, you know, it would have it would it would have meant something. It would have been yeah, the same as a a souvenir postcard, Tower Bridge or whatever, Romano's restaurant. Wow, right, part of that West End scene. Yeah, yeah, indeed. And of course, just down the road from what was it, the Strand Palace Hotel. That's right, and the Old Witch Theatre, which is the one that that. That's where you know all the all the farces, all the Ben Travers right. stuff took place. Which perhaps um, people were know, sort of hiding behind the doors in Romanos and popping out at inadvertent moments. Possibly, no. possibly, or, stu- or, or, or <laughs> you know, stumbling out. I should yes, think, but yes, uh, exactly. yeah, very Indeed. good. Well, thank you for um, our, our brief dinner date at Romanos. That was very, yes. very interesting, very enjoyable. Richard, what what's the first card on your doormat? Um, well, I hesitate to trample on. James's territory, but um, I've got the water splash at Scarborough. Oh, um, this, this, is, this is the way we planned it. It's perfect. Oh. <laughs> so this is, I don't know why I have this postcard. Um, I found it in one of my many boxes of, of stuff. Um, no one sent it to me. I must have bought it myself, but it depicts a landmark of, uh, of old Scarborough that's no longer no longer with us. It's the a water splash. Looking place. It is. It was. It's, a, it's on the um, end of the um, uh, South Bay at Scarborough. Um, it's sort of on a hill, and it's a it's a water park. I mean, it's, it wouldn't be unusual nowadays. It's just bright blue, uh, three uh, sorry two um, twining water slides going down into the main pool, um, and. When I was in, it was bright blue, so it's visible for, for for miles from the other side of the of the town. And when I was a kid, this was, you know, this was heaven. This was the um, this was Mecca. This was, it, it just defined what Scarborough was all about. Um, and it's interesting to me because because like James, I love Scarborough. I grew up, as I said, I grew up in Wakefield, which is about as far from the sea as you can get in the north of England. It's right in the middle. Um, and so we had the classic two week August. August holiday and it was always nearly always on the east coast so that sort of magic zone between Bridlington and uh, Whitby was our was our playground for two weeks every August um, and Scarborough whether we stayed in Scarborough or stayed in Filey or Robin Hood's Bay or Whitby or Brid um, Scarborough was the epicenter Scarborough was yeah. uh, the, the place we had to go um, it was the original to some extent I think wasn't it, it was absolutely it was one of those very early yeah Exactly, one of those first elegant uh, seaside resorts that were that were opened up by the railways, um, and it's interesting to me because well, I'm fascinated by by coasts generally and the Yorkshire coast in particular um, because of the it's not I mean Scarborough the town is just a town you can go there and you could walk about and not feel like you're in anywhere anywhere more special than any than any other northern town, but Scarborough seafront is a different matter. Right. Um, because Seafront's a place of, of of entertainment for the people who visit, if not for the people who live there, um, they're in a constant state of transformation, a constant state of flux, because entertainment changes, fashion changes. and the, yeah, yeah. the no- Novelty, place... need novelty. Exactly, exactly. It's always a new novelty. It always has to be something new. Um, and, well, in the case of the North, the, uh, North Yorkshire coast, it's transforming physically because it's falling apart, and has been since I was a kid. Um, it's eroding dramatically so i go and look at we used to stay in a holiday house in filey and it's it's just not there anymore because it was right on the cliff edge Um, destroying your memories exactly exactly um but it's they're also changing in this in this very obvious uh, way and you can see it when you're there because they're there they don't change overnight you still have the remnants of the elegant you know uh, read uh 1920s 1930s particularly in the um the posh end down in the south bay and then you go to the middle bit, which is where Corrigan's Arcade is and the Silver Dollar Arcade, and you can hear the clank and the uh, clang of the arcade machines and um, smell of uh, 
things frying. And that's uh, that's the Scarborough I grew up with. That's the Scarborough I know. And it, it's changing still, you know, as, as new things move in. Um, the water splash was was um, taken down years ago. It was replaced briefly by a paintball. Uh, oh, it was, oh, it was up, awful, that place. It yeah. was, yeah, it was grim. It was, you could have yeah. paintball um, anywhere. Yeah, paintball. Yeah, I don't know why. Yeah. You don't need to be at the seaside for that. No, it was very, it was very barren and sort of bleak. Um, isn't there supposed to be a cinema being? Isn't there supposed to be a cinema being built there or something like that? I think so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And there's now a. If you want to get your water slide fixed, you have to go a little bit out more inland. There's a big fancy, oh. fancy Alcamare. new water place. Oh, exactly. Very yeah. good. Yeah. yeah, which is lovely, I should say. Yeah. Um, did you go on? But, did you go on the slide when 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 you had the chance, Richard? Oh goodness me! Yeah, of course. You were, yeah, you yeah. were allowed to. Um, spent all the time I could in there. <laughs> oh no, 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 no! It was great. Um, and that, like that whole really corner of Scarborough. It is. It's fantastic. Um, it's better than the nonsense you get nowadays. I'm such an old man. Um, no, it was great. There was nothing, nothing that wasn't great about uh, water splash when you're eight years old and you're on your summer holidays. Um, but it's funny because it is obviously also a big plastic monstrosity, you know, <laughs> depending on how you look at it. Um, I remember not not long before my granny died, uh, which was a good few years ago now, but um, she always used to come on holiday with us. It was always me, my mum and dad, my brother, my uh, granny and granddad and my, my auntie. Um, and Scarborough was always really special to, to all of them as well. But that corner of Scarborough, because, as I said, it's gone through these changes, there's all these... There's this little sort of setup of apartments and a shop and a cafe there now. But we drove past when that had just been built, and my granny was in the back of the car. And she remembered, I think she remembered like a lion's tea room uh, and um, uh, what you call them, beach huts. Wow. Um, and just a, a, just a more, I can't say more elegant because it was just the same sort of thing, but of a different time. Yeah. Um, and she was really upset. I think she, um, she just wasn't ready for how much it had how much it had changed, but of course that's what these places do. Um, no, but at the same time, quite the... intrusive. I mean, that is, a, it is you're right. It is an eyesore. If you're it not is, having absolutely. fun on it, it, looks, <laughs> it, you could, it could even it could even be an industrial setup, couldn't it? it? Could be uh, it could absolutely like a yeah yeah concrete plant, paint it grey, and yeah exactly, <laughs> um, paint it battleship grey, and yeah you've got some kind of industrial installation. Um, but the thing is about these places, even though they do change so quickly and so profoundly. At the same time, they're the places that have the greatest impact on memory. I mean, there's yes. nowhere to me as, as vivid as just if you just turn left at the water park, um, you go past a place called Pizone Park. Oh, yes. Is that where they had the battles? It was, yeah. They used to have the uh, battleships yes. on the pond. Um, and they used to have a tree, still do, I think, have a tree walk. Uh, and it used to be when, they, when it turned dusk, they'd have light bulbs strung up through the trees, which, oh. um, you know, when I was seven or eight, that was just the most magical so even the word the weird P-Zone Park, even though for the entirety of my childhood, I thought it was called P-Zone Park, oh. as in the, the P-Zone. The zone for the P. Um, yeah, the zone <laughs> of the P's. Did you ever um, see the, did you ever see the, um, they still have it, the, 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 the little stage in the middle of the pond and they have the, the organist playing in there. And well, no, I never did. People, yeah, they, they, we, when they were there a few years ago, they were still doing it. So you get all the, oh. all the pensioners that sit around there with their <laughs> flasks and sandwiches and somebody on, you know, sort of like a, a mobile floating Wurlitzer would uh, <laughs> no, knock out the, knock out the hits. Oh, I love stuff like that. And like I say, you can still see the, Particularly down at the other end of the of the bay, you can see all that where the um, pavilion used to be, and the, yeah, where, yeah, I think yeah. there's many promises of refurbishment and relaunch. But you know, where they used to have the, you know, the Ted Heath Orchestra and Max That's Jaffer right. and all that yeah, kind yeah. of stuff. Oh, Max Jaffer yeah. was the sort of uh, yeah. fixture, wasn't he, at Scarborough? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. And the Grand Hotel is still there. Yeah, um, just. Yeah, just clinging on to the cliffside. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, we, are, we are very much in danger here of uh, drifting into that terrible place, which is called nostalgia. This card has, has had—is it a bad scan or has it had a lot of daylight on it? It's a little bit. It's, it should be a decent picture, but it's, it's a, a bit, bit greased and crumpled. And I honestly don't know where it's been because I don't know where it came from. Um, but but it's, I was it's, so delighted when I found it. It's contemporaneous with you going there. You think? It's not, I think so. Yeah. It's old. It's certainly not a. Not an up-to-date one. You can tell by the by the quality of the picture. Perhaps you and were the meant car, to write a certainly message a... on it and you never did. Maybe. It's a strange thing for me to hold on to, and I'm really, really glad I did. Because um, there's two landmarks of Scarborough. There's that and there's the castle. And the castle's still standing. Um, and the water splash, despite being much younger, is, is long gone. Um, 
Yeah. <laughs> Very good. Well, look, I'm 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 thrilled to see. It. As you, as you say, it, it could be something out of a some kind of precious metals mine or something. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know those those, those photographs by uh, is it Salgado? Um, anyway, perhaps it, perhaps it doesn't lie to anyone else. Um, well, that's that's very good. I'll just I'll just um, by a strange coincidence, I'll do one more quick card of mine, and it's a card of Scarborough. There you go. We, we really have planned this show. This is a quick. This is a multi-view, and it's uh, meaning there's more than one picture, and it, it's a, 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 a sepia card uh, of Scarborough, and it's got four elements, which are Children's Corner, South Bay, North Bay, sort of at dusk, I think, or twilight, uh, the Corner Cafe on the North Bay. And the children's yachting pool um, on in the P zone. Um, <laughs> uh, it's got obviously it's got a Scarborough uh, postman from 1931 actually, so it goes back a while. Sent to Widnes uh, in Lancashire, and it's from someone. I think their initials. I think it's J S Ramskill. I don't think they obviously don't know them that well. Perhaps they're neighbours, as opposed to. You know, close relatives. Anyway, the only bit that, that intrigues is uh, I'm having quite a decent time up here. I wish Albert was here for a good game of tennis. Uh, hope you're both okay. Cheerio. So I don't know who Albert is, but he would have obviously enjoyed playing tennis at Scarborough. I can tell you if you hold up my card next to that bottom left picture here of Corner Cafe in the North Bay, that follows exactly. So that corner cafe was the one that my granny was. Uh, that's the one. That's the, for the, for the loss of. Uh, and if you go left of that, that's where Water Splash was. Not obviously 1931, but um, that's how the geography lines up. There you are, listeners. If you if you align one to the other, slowly, <laughs> piece by piece, we will build a full map of Scarborough <laughs> through the age. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. You're listening to Podcasts from the Past, the Postcard Podcast, and my guests today are James Hogg and Richard Smith. Well, it's a surprise. We've received a postcard. Um, and here it is. It's from Jeanette Ty, T-I-G-H-E. I never know how to pronounce that word. Ty, Tyg, Ty. Uh, and Jeanette says, answer number one, Hickory Dickory Dock. Answer number two, Sir Francis Drake. Uh, well, I'm sorry, Jeanette, they're the wrong answers. On with the postcard stories. James, what's the second card you've got for us today? Now, this is where we get into your Phil May interest, I think. Yes, well, it starts off with the, with ben, the caricature of Benjamin Britten on the, um, on the left. I oh, think that's Benjamin Britten. The left Britain. of the two. It is. It, there was um, years ago, I, I've always loved um, that, those sorts of caricatures, um, the kind of things you used to get in Tatler and magazines like that um, every every month. And there was one particular favourite of mine, a guy called Fred May, and um, um, he's 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 quite well known within 
the 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 industry, if you like. Um, uh, but he was with the Tatler. He was the guy who did all their cartoons from I think uh, 1920 until about 1976 when he when he died. And um, as is as is um, my won't, I, I started um, uh, researching him, and I managed to find out. I found out that his his um, his son, who was actually actually called Phil May, still is. Uh, but and he lived otherwise, in place... there's no connection with the Mays, is it? There's no connection right. with them at all. Um, but um, and he um, lived in a place called West Witten, and I'm from Midlam in the Dales, the Yorkshire Dales. And right. West Witten, it's it's like three miles away. And I thought, well, that's weird. And my grandparents were, lived there, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Anyway, it, it was. It, I thought I looked at the article, and I thought, well, if he, he's still alive, he'd be about ninety-four. But uh, I managed to track him down. I'd like track down a number, and I thought, well, he's probably dead. He probably is long, long dead. And I left a message just saying, "Look, you know, I'm, I'm, if you, if this is Phil May, huge fan of your father. I collect his work. You know, if you have anything you'd like to sell me, it'd be lovely to have a chat. Blah blah blah. Just on the off chance. You're not shy, are you? No, 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 no. Was it shy Ben's getting out or whatever? But, oh my uh, God. And he rang me back, 94 wow. years old. And um, but oh, this is so so strange. I went to visit him and he said, "This is my address in West Witten." I was like, "That can't be. No, he must have got that wrong." And I got there, and it wasn't. He lived ne- directly next door to my grandparents, oh. um, and knew them. Actually, knew my grandparents. So I had actually met him, but he knew my grandparents. Amazing! Um, it was the most astonishing. So we, yeah, we got. We, we're still really good friends. He's now in a nursing home. He's about. He's getting on for a ton. Yeah. Um, and he just sends me. He finds these little works of his um, of his dad's, and so oh, he did this. Have this. Oh. And it's it's astonishing. And I, I'm. I'm at the moment compiling a, a Wikipedia page for him because he's not he's sort of forgotten about, but he shouldn't be because he yeah. was, you know, he was the only person who did a, a cartoon of Churchill that Churchill took to and actually signed. Um, he's the only one he ever signed that he that he enjoyed, and it's on display somewhere in York, a museum in York, and I've actually got a a, a, a print of it, but with one of Church, with a signature by Churchill. So I've got everything oh, wow. that this that's available that that that. Um, uh, that Fred May did. It's 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 fantastic. So, but anyway, so he's caught Phil himself, his son. He's also um, an illustrator. He does sort of cars and wartime, old ancient cars and wartime um, aircraft. You know, from the first Second World War. Quite eminent, quite well known. Um, and um, and he said, you know, there's a, m- a much more famous Phil May. And he put me onto Phil May, the apparently very very well known um, uh, caricaturist who died in about 1903, who was born in Leeds, where I live. Um, and so all of a sudden, it, it, this who was a regular at Romano's, and all of a sudden this 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 world sort of You're starting opened to populate up. your restaurant. Yeah, absolutely, indeed. And Phil May is... Booking for is, May, is a, booking for May. Booking for, booking for <laughs> May, May and or Hog. Um, and, um, uh, and, and Phil, uh, I, I asked him about, you know, the, 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 the caricature is Phil May, and he said, oh, I've got some books by him and et cetera. And, um, and it's, um, again, it's opened up. I've always been a fan of, of that sort of work, whether it be the, the, the stuff that... Um, the, the slightly more, I suppose, basic stuff that to black and white that that film uh, that Fred May does, or the the slightly more um, colourful um, com- sort of modern day cartoons that um, that Phil May. So we, we should uh, describe the Phil May postcard in front of us. Yes, uh, yes. Go ahead. In, indeed. So it's. Um, let me see. The. the they're usually uh, Shakespearean quotes, so he'll ha- he'll have something because it, it was all Victorian. So it's um, how sour sweet music is. Uh, when time is, it says, broke and no proportion left. I think that's what it says, Richard yeah. II. Um, and, uh, well, obviously rather a dry a... caption for a cartoon, isn't it? Slightly, slightly. <laughs> <laughs> I'd, I'd give that another go, Phil. <laughs> yeah, yes, absolutely. Uh, but he, he did hundreds of these things. And because he was a huge celebrity of the day, if he was out in um, in a, a restaurant, Romano's or wherever, people would, uh, the, 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 the great and the good, would send over um, uh, two pound notes or two fivers, these huge things, ask him to do um, uh, an illustration on one, keep that and, uh, you know, and sorry, send that back to them and he would keep the other. Um, and he made an absolute fortune uh, doing that. Spent it all in uh, Romano's, um, etc. <laughs> he was a real bon viveur. But uh, but it, it was it was Fred May. Fred, I, I love Phil May. Phil May stuff is wonderful. But Fred May is 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 always always has been always will be my, my real favourite. I love that sort of uh, 
that sort of stuff. And, uh, you know, we have the slightly larger head. Um, it's quite a uh, grotesque style. I mean, I, I, there's no reflection on Benjamin Britten. It's, 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 not, it's not pretty, his way of doing things. Is it? No, but it was extremely popular. Yeah, very angular. It was extremely popular um, in the, you know, the, the, the 1920s, 1930s. Uh, very, very popular. Obviously, not now, uh, but um, yeah, it, and it was lovely meeting. It was, it was, you know, I became, I actually, you know, befriended this this guy's um, this guy's son. Yeah, you know, all my friends lovely. are all. I had all my friends in their sort of eighties and nineties, <laughs> popping off all the time. I've, I've got to get somebody, you know, below below seventy. Yeah, I've heard of people hanging around elderly widows. I don't know if this is a similar game. <laughs> I, I choose ca- I choose cartoonists uh, instead. Yeah, illustrators and cartoonists. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. talking of, of wealthy people, I think uh, Phil May, the 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 Edwardian illustrator. Yes, I, think he, I mean he was so incredibly successful. Yeah, he was. Because, yeah. my my interpretation is it, illustrators could be really successful, important people because you didn't really have photographic reproduction in magazines, no. but yeah. you did have uh, a sort of burgeoning print media that was really hungry for good illustrations, illustrations that could capture some kind of humanity, and he yeah. obviously had such a facility for it. As you say, he could knock them out and work very, uh, do a huge amount of work. Yeah, I think he made a fortune. He did make a fortune. He, he died penniless because he, he was a, he was a bit of a soak, um, and he had a lot of uh, hangers on. So uh, you know, everybody would be you know, Phil was the, the one. Oh, don't worry, Phil will pay. And sure enough, Phil Phil did pay, and he died. In, I think he was nineteen oh three. He was only thirty nine. He died young, didn't he? But I, I think yeah. they were like they were like stars. I think in a way, in a way yeah. we can't imagine illustrators being like stars. I don't think that. No, no, but but you you hit the nail on the head. As I said, if, if nowadays if you're out and you see somebody famous in a restaurant, you sort of surreptitiously get your iPhone out or whatever, and you. And you take a photograph, whereas you know what you did in those days. Good, good lord, it's Phil May. Um, I'll, I'll send over two fibers, you know, um, illustrate one, send it back to me, keep the other. I think that's um, that's a, a much um, that's a much better way of doing things. And I, I, you know, I'm not I'm not an expert on Phil May at all, but the only other thing I my, my other little reflection for what it's worth is that a lot of these illustrators at that time, as I say, they were I think they were like they were stars, they were almost yeah. pop stars. Um, they were very clubbable. So they would hang out at Romano's and they'd hang out at the, uh, the what was it called, the Savage Club, or they'd hang out... Yeah, in yeah. And in a way that I don't know that illustrators nowadays, you know, they probably sit at home doing their work, but I think they were more like... Um, like your Damien Hirst in the nineties. You know. I think you could probably you could probably say that about composers, actors, etc., etc. Um, similar sort of thing. You know, the, all the all the the old clubs, etc. The ones like the Garrick. Um, I was uh, I was talking to somebody who's a, who's a member there the other day, and he, he said that um, you know fifty years ago you only got actors and the like in there. He said nowadays you know they've got to open it up to barristers or whatever uh, because you know the, the the actors are sort of at home drinking I don't know green tea or whatever um, you know reading and being being well behaved. Um, but yeah, every, every everybody's taking take, taking their pleasure in different ways these days. Yeah, I don't know how these people found time to do the work. I suppose you had to be a genius. You had to be someone who could just bang it out. Yeah, yeah. Indeed. Well, as you, you said, that was that was all there. That was all there was at the time, which is why these people were so in, in you know the, the the demand was there. So I suppose if you've got the demand and you've got the adoration, etc., it sort of uh, it, and you've got the cash, um, it it, um, it charges you on. Yeah. You get on with it. Very interesting. It's, it's actually it's an area of postcards which um, we've not really lifted a lid on much in this podcast over uh, however many episodes it is. Is is the sort of the world of Edwardian illustrators and um, yeah. well, you know, thank you for opening up Phil May and then by the other Phil May, um, our other May, our yeah, uh, Fred, Fred, May. Fred, Phil, and Phil. Oh yeah, my God. it's it's. Um, well, if you didn't want to confuse me, you've 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 still managed it. So. <laughs> Get in there. <laughs> let's, let's head to something nice and simple. <laughs> so, Richard, what, what's what's the final card you've got for us? So my other card is um, something I picked up in, when I was in Budapest a few years ago, and it's um, a picture of some coffee grinders um, that's been sitting on my desk ever since I got hold of it. Um, that's a good place to, to keep just... a card. It is. It's. It takes pride of place. Um, only behind the picture of my uh, wife and children, I should add. Um, but it, it depicts uh, sixteen uh, vintage-looking coffee grinders with the top handle, 
Um, and it says at the top, coffee grinders. And above that, it says it in Hungarian, um, which I believe is Kave Dadalok. Uh-huh. My Hungarian, I don't speak any Hungarian, but um, and um, it's it's evocative to me of a lot of different things. Um, most obviously, it's evocative of coffee, which I'm uh, I'm a full bore coffee wanker, um, and I um, before I had kids, I had a coffee grinder exactly like one of these. Um, uh, obviously, now I have small children, and therefore I have no time to grind my own coffee, and I have to drink. Pre-ground coffee, like a like a wild animal, um, which yeah, which is no way to live. Um, and so, I guess I've always been fascinated by by Budapest and by Hungary, and in a quite a strange way. And it also ties in with um, my feelings about travel generally and um, and the experience of foreign places. Um, so one thing that I love about Budapest, particularly, is it's got great cafes it's got a great cafe culture and it's got a great historic cafe culture um and i'm speaking here about hungary as if i'm a authority when i've been for one city break <laughs> in uh, one city break there a few years ago um and this, many this, people would have got a five-page article out of it don't worry yeah yeah right. exactly well this is relevant because i think it's 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 says something about how we experience cities or how i experience cities anyway um one of the reasons I love the, the cafe culture in, in Budapest is, but obviously they do good coffee and they do good cake and they have shadowy corners and they have grand sort of uh, Austro-Hungarian uh, fittings and uh, lovely waiting staff. Um, but also it's because I've read about places like that my whole life in, in the kinds of uh, novels and, and short stories I've, I've read. I mean, one of my favourite short stories is um, by a guy called Andre Eddy. Um, and it's called Ten Florence Bridegroom, and it's just the most classic. Um, I don't know what the Hungarian equivalent of Grub Street is, but it's the, the classic account of the of the struggling hack doing the rounds of the coffee shops, um, trying to. It's called Ten Florence Bridegroom because he's um, he gets ten florins for his stories, and he's just constantly trying to find uh, trying to sell the next story. Um, and apart from the the. <laughs> insane fantasy of a man making a living by selling short stories which is a, <laughs> would be a lovely fantasy land to live in sadly not viable in in the present day um it's just such a beautiful vision of a of a world that i would that i would have loved to live in and what's interesting to me is that it might i don't know what it was really like and i don't care <laughs> budapest is a place that for me like a lot of places in the world exists as a as a fantasy and i don't want to be sort of to exoticize it in that way because i know it is obviously it's a real place and it's got real people and it's got real life and real, real problems a lot going, real problems yeah absolutely particularly politically at the moment um but for me i do i've always experienced foreign places more completely in fiction and in history than than in person i'm a terrible traveler oh, really? um, i can never go off the beaten track because i'd get too nervous um I, uh, I like to see places. I mean, i'm the classic uh what's the was it oscar Wilde? who was it who said about the giant's causeway in northern ireland which is uh, worth seeing but not worth going to see which is <laughs> which is a kind of a meaningless thing to say but it is, often comes to my mind when i think about places that you know i would like to i'd like to have seen but whether I want to go and see them is a different matter. Yeah. So it's a sort of getting, um, getting up off your sofa kind of thing, isn't it? It's, it's, exactly. Yeah. Once you're yeah. there, you love it. But exactly. And did, but will they live up to? How do they compare to to the places, to the the Budapest, the Moscow, the New York uh, that I've read about my whole life, that I've thought about my whole life? Um, but don't you find when you go somewhere that the real place? You overlay the the pre-existing yes. kind of literature. They don't really match, so there's always something new and different when you're there. Because oh, absolutely, there is, yeah. Um, but that's one interesting. One is the shape of your brain, and one is the shape of a real city. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, you you walk in this sort of palimpsest sort of thing. I mean, yeah, overlay is a very good uh, way of putting it, like a, a transparency. Yeah. Uh, laid over it, but I don't. I also don't quite like that because I like to. I like to see places as they are, and I don't like to live in a, uh, you know. A lot of people do like to live out a live out a fantasy, um, but I don't. So in my head, when I go to these places, it, it, I, I tend to compartmentalise them. There's the real one, and there's the, the then there's the one I, I uh, I've explored in other so they, in other they ways. They both exist, but they're just different. Exactly. And um, so when you go to a city, here's, here's how I think this is what makes me this is my reflection. Do you? So you go to Paris, 
Do you read a book set in Paris while you're in Paris, or do you deliberately choose something that isn't because there's a sort of weird out-of-registerness about it? Yeah, I think that's a very good way of putting it. I, I have done that sometimes, but I don't feel... First, it makes me frustrated because I want to... You can experience a city, unless you live there and, and or spend many years there or you know come to know it really well. You experience places through art in, and through through you know more in more abstract ways you experience it i can't say more you can't say better and i can't say more realistically but often more powerfully i mean you have a weekend in in a great city you're not really going to it's very unlikely to have to make a, a very profound impression on you in the same way that a, a great novel about that city would in my view anyway that's maybe that's just how how i absorb places wow. and information city, um, city break and the death of travel <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I, get, I get what you're saying well that's nice to know nice to know i'm not completely mad i, but, I don't know if budapest, i agree with it but i get it <laughs> budapest is an interesting place in particular because hungary and, and which of which budapest has historically been such a you know overwhelming uh, part very much defined by its capital in so many ways um has always been about exile and I'm fascinated by that as well. I'm fascinated about the, the idea that this, this country um, has in so many ways been uh, characterised by people who, who were no longer there. Right. Um, I mean, there's a, I mean, so this is going to be a digression on Hungarians, if that's all right. Looking um, forward to it. <laughs> there's a concept, so it started as a joke, and it obviously is a joke, but it's not, it's not a, a meaningless joke, um, about how the Hungarians... Because uh, in the sort of nine thirties, there's a huge influx of Hungarian scientists uh, to America, largely through through persecution at home, um, and they were the they were the mainspring of the Manhattan Project right. to build the, the nuclear weapon. Um, and the uh, the joke that, that did the rounds was that um, it was Enrico Fermi, the Italian physicist, had this proposition about uh, intelligent life and super intelligent beings, and, and where were they? Um, that they must exist. The probability is that they must exist. Uh, and the joke was, um, they do exist. They live among us, um, but they call themselves Hungarians <laughs> uh, because the Hungarians who uh, who worked on the Manhattan Project were so insanely brilliant. Right. Um, they appeared to have, you know, they were scattered from their homeland. Yes. Um, they spoke a language that had no connection to any other language. Um, Hungarian is a unique, almost yes, unique language. Yes. I believe it has some connections with Finnish. Um, and so the, this joke was that they were they were the Martians. And there's a great, <laughs> there's a lovely line where um, this proposition was put to Edward to Edward Teller, who was one of the one of these Hungarians, uh, and he said uh, he looked worried and said uh, von Karman must have been talking, <laughs> which is great. Um, so you've got these incredible guys. Uh, uh, who who are you know changing the world and they're doing it as as exiles. Yes. Um, and Hungarians in film as well in mathematics. Yeah, the British film industry at one point was, was absolutely Hungarians really. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Michael Curtis and so on. Um, and it's just interesting to me that this uh, yeah that we come to know a country so so thoroughly through its exiles. Yeah. And so I'm fascinated by by Hungary for that reason. That's another reason why these coffee pots uh, coffee grinders rather sit sit on my desktop. And they have a Grand Prix as well, which is... Uh, which they do. Is, <laughs> which is so And I, I think it was it was also the where the first ever um, stadium concert took place behind the Iron Curtain. Um, was it? Yeah, it was Queen in 1986. Um, was it? The first ever, um, yeah. Why do they play anywhere? Yeah, I was going to say they had fun for that, didn't they? Absolutely, yeah. But it was known as the, it was known as the um, what was it the, the happiest barracks in the Soviet <laughs> Union. It was the, the you know just relatively. I mean, apart from, with, there's a bit of dry Cold War humour. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, obviously they were they, they had their moments, uh, but yeah, as a general rule, they were they were less under until 1956. Obviously, they were less under the hammer um, than anywhere else. But this, the, I don't know, this whole partly again. This sense of a slight sense of unreality about the place comes from the fact that the history is so contested. Um, their their um, engagement with uh, with the war, with fascism back then, is is still such a live issue. Um, and this again just makes it a, such a sort of protean place. And I, I hate to sort of make a, a real place sound like a 
I don't know, a parlor game or to somebody's fantasy because it's obviously so much more than that. But there is certainly something in the understanding of a city like that um, that is um, well, there's, changeable. There's I suppose. a Budapest and there's a Budapest of the mind, and they're not exactly. Yeah, you know, they, yeah. they overlap. They definitely do. That's it. Yeah. Well, yeah. well thank you for for grinding away at your understanding <laughs> of, of, of the city and the country and 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 the nature of what visits can and can't do to your understanding. That's, I think that's really interesting. Thank, thank, thank you for that, thank Richard. Um, well, look, thank you both so much for sharing your cards. A very diverse and, and, and abstruse selections. <laughs> I'm, I'm delighted. Um, I've said it before, I never know where the cards will send us. <laughs> Another quick reminder for listeners at home, images of all these cards, from um, water splashes to coffee grinders to... Anyone you've ever met, called Brian May, probably, um, <laughs> uh, will we'll be on the on the uh, the blog postcardfromthepast.co.uk. Um, and but before we let Richard and James off the line, back to reality, uh, I've got one more postcard for you in the postcard from the past style. This is uh, a place called, and this is where I'm going to fall over. It's called Gribgoch from Snowdon Summit. So you're at Snowdon and you're looking across somewhere called Gribgoch. I don't know if you. Do you know that place? Am mm. I saying it right? Afraid not. Well, I'm, I, I must be then. Um, <laughs> Just say it with confidence. No one will mind. Yeah, you're probably right. 1969, the card says. So a nice old one from the Judges, big big publisher. Uh, costs fourpence to send the card, actually. And it's one of those Welsh <laughs> definitives. You've got the Queen there, but with a little dragon at the bottom. It's nice. Sent to Boston in Lincolnshire from someone called Diana. Um, and she's actually sending it to her Auntie Joan... Uncle Charles and Aaron. And he says, uh, Dear Auntie Joan, Uncle Charles and Aaron, I'm having a fantastic time in Wales. The weather is quite decent and I've been swimming, canoeing and climbing. Here, we've had some food poisoning due to a cafe on the beach, but I didn't get it. Love, Diana. So that was a... (laughs) An arrow. <laughs> That's brilliant. Emotional rollercoaster that last bit. Yeah, it was okay. But she, you know, she's good. She managed to work out where the food poisoning came from. I don't know if the environmental health got there first, but she was there. Um, right, it's become customary for us to end the show with one of these uh, rather special things. So I don't know if you can. You have a dope sheet in front of you, I think, uh, gentlemen, and, and you should find a a large well card. With a sort of fairy tale castle on it. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you can see that. Um, yeah. Well, um, th- th- there's no mystery here. This is a postcard which is a record, um, like a uh, gramophone record. Oh, yeah, you can see oh, it. Right. Oh, you yeah. Can just see, see yeah, the, yeah. The, 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 the grooves there, just about. Obviously, yeah. you can see the, the, the hole for the spindle. Um, yeah, I was thinking that was a huge ball, like in The Prisoner, but I've seen that it's a hole. <laughs> like the ones that were flying down Oxford Street the other day. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, it's, it's a record, and um, David in the other room has, I think, digitised it for us, and if we listen very carefully, we should be able to hear what this castle can sound like. Oh, no. Oh, yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. So it's, it's the uh, Chateau de Chillon, Chillon, <laughs> in, um, uh, on Lake Geneva, I think. Oh, lovely. Very nice. And it's got quite a jaunty little tune associated with yeah. it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, I always say the same thing. Oh, we've got our lyrics. Was it Edmundo Ros or something? It could be, couldn't it? Yeah, it sounds like the same. You tend not to get a proper credit on, on the back of a cardboard record, so <laughs> it doesn't say. I, 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 I think if it was Edmundo Ross, they would, they would tell you. Yeah, um, absolutely. I've got another story about Edmundo Ross, but I'll tell you that another day. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's a, it's a, obviously it's a medieval castle, and the sound, I think, is pretty good for a piece of cardboard. It's not yeah, bad. Yeah, sounds all right yeah. to me. Yeah. This was a... This one's made in Germany. No, made in France. It's one of those ones that wants to put everything in every language, so it's a little bit hard to know where it really comes from. <laughs> but yeah. it says you can have 200 perfect plays of this record. After that, it's absolutely <laughs> terrible. It spontaneously combusts. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think we played it yeah, once throughout this recording. Yeah. So, uh, That's all right, though, isn't it? It's, it's pretty good. Yeah. Well... As the medieval fortress continues to rotate at exactly 45 RPM, that's it for this time on Podcasts from the Past. I'd very much like to thank my first-class guests for sharing the postcards from their pasts. 
James Hogg and Richard Smith. Thank you both. Yeah, thank thanks, you. Tom. And thank you for listening. Bye for now. Postcards with their messages posted every day on Twitter. Do follow me at Past Postcard. And you can buy the book Postcard from the Past by me, Tom Jackson, at Amazon and all good booksellers. And if you're looking for podcast production, check out wardorstudios.co.uk. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.